Toastmasters, would-be Toastmasters listeners and friends, you are very welcome to the Talk Show for Talkers here on irishtalkers.com. My name is Moira O'Brien and you can... I changed it, didn't I? And because I changed it, I lost my train, train, train of thought. Well, that's what happens when you get to the vast old age of 78. The mind goes blank. However, let's go back to the uh, the standard script. My name's O'Brien. No, it isn't. That's not what <laughs> Let's start all over again. Hello, Toastmasters, would-be Toastmasters, listeners and friends. You're very welcome to the Talk Show for Talkers here on irishtalkers.com. You can get in touch with us by sending an email to info at, talk- at irishtalkers.com. And you can find us on Facebook as the Talk Show for Talkers. So we, we're not very active on Facebook at the moment. We really do need to change that, James. James? James? You hear me? Uh, I'm. My name is Moira O'Brien, and I'm joined this week by Mr. James Finnegan. The jolly James Finnegan, because he's smiling at me today. We have a normal... Magazine, magazine, <laughs> I really am bad today. Magazine show for you today. James is going to be talking about nervousness. There's a word for the week which James will be introducing. And I'm going to be talking about the worldwide nature of Toastmasters and what that might mean. So let's dive straight in and I'll hand you to a nervous James Finnegan. James. Thank you very much, Moira. Tell me. Are you feeling butterflies in your tummy, fast breathing, a headache, nausea, increased irritability? No, that's not a reaction just to hearing my voice. Or maybe it is, but it might be some of the signs you experience before a speech, a presentation, or a performance. And it struck me that we might share some tips and advice on how best to deal with it. Let me start with something very obvious. No one in the world has ever relaxed by being told to relax. Automatically, your butt clenches at being told to relax. What I am suggesting to you is something perhaps a little different. I think you should rejoice in your nervousness. You should control the nerves rather than they control you. If you weren't nervous, you wouldn't care. But your presentation or your speech or your performance means something to you. So that little bit of nerves gives you that little bit of edge and keeps you on your toes. The second tip is to practice, practice, practice. And as someone who's done a fair amount of stage performances, I would recommend strongly that you practice at different times. When you're tired, when you're enthusiastic, when you're a bit emotional, because then you can decide on the tone of your presentation. I would also recommend that you dress for the occasion, and that when you do your practice, you wear the dress that you're going to wear. Not literally a dress, of course, well, unless you want to. But I think it's important that you don't practice in your tracksuit and your trainers and then go into your suit or your professional mode. Get comfortable in your uncomfortableness. The best quick way to relax is to take deep breaths. In through the nose, Hold it out through the mouth. Do that a couple of times, and that will release the endorphins. That will help you calm down. Do try and avoid the tea and the coffee. All that does 
is buzz you up. And you also have the additional problem of having to run to that little room just before you're about to go on. And we have all, I am sure, experienced the fun and joy of seeing a best man taking Dutch courage before he stands up to give his speech. It has never worked well. Some people have been known to take some relaxing medication. I would strongly recommend you don't do that. I know someone who was so relaxed after taking his pill that he had to be woken up to present his talk. A bit embarrassing when he is on the top table. Time is your friend. Get ready in good time. Set out to the venue in good time and make sure you arrive at the venue in good time. And that gives you a chance to look at and from where you'll be speaking and get an idea of your parameters of an area. Depending on the type of talk or speech or presentation or performance you're given, you will either have to do it from memory, from script, or from cards. Now, when you're doing a performance on stage, they really don't like you bringing the script on with you. It kind of defeats the object of the exercise. But for example, my daughter Joanne's wedding, I had my cards ready because I could not depend on myself not to blub halfway through. So the other thing I would advise is preparation. I started preparing for that wedding speech six months in advance. It gave me time to try out some of my carefully weighed ad-libs on the way. Regular preparation techniques is so helpful and it will alleviate so many nerves from your performance. If when you're there and the breathing isn't working, try this. Pick out five things you can see, four things you can feel, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing that you could taste. That's a very good method of relaxing. And on one final word of encouragement and support, the greatest actor in the world, Sir Laurence Olivier, every time he went on stage, he had a bucket on both wings, just in case he got too nervous. Preparation is the key. Enjoy and embrace those nerves, but don't let them embrace you. Thank you, Moira. I've always thought, James, that a little bit of nerves was actually a good thing and that not to have any nerves is actually not that good. I suffer. I can agree with you on that, Moira, because for a while I was on beta blockers and I couldn't feel any nerves at all. And I, and that, it was dull. It was probably like your, like the listeners are saying, probably like you're now dull, uninspiring. And you need those little nerves to give you that little bit of edge, that little bit of unknown to keep you awake and to keep you sharp. You're totally correct, Moira. Not the first time I've said that. Not won't be the last time. Yeah, indeed. I I suffer from lack of nerves, and I I, I use that word uh, intentionally because when I get up on stage, the only nerves I suppose I do have is is can I remember what I'm supposed to be saying? Am I going to dry up? But I don't. Really, that's not really nerves. It doesn't worry me as such. I don't get that tightness in my chest that I used to get. But I would like to have just a little bit of nerves just to get me, you know, keyed up and, yeah, and more yeah. into it instead of laid back and, oh, well, you know, I can do this. Oh, no problem here. I can, I can talk the hind legs off a donkey, as the saying goes. But, of course, the truth is that uh, I do need to concentrate 
and concentration is the the hardest thing I think to keep going. And when you are too relaxed, I think you do you do lose that concentration and you do risk making a, a fool of yourself. But there we are. I don't want to be too whimsical today in my conversation. So I'm going to hand over to you now again, James, uh, to introduce our word of the week. Well, Maura, as usual, you have subtly gave a, a small hint of what it might be, because our word of the week is whimsical, an adjective meaning unusual in a playful or amusing way, not serious. And normally Moira comes back to me and says, and where did that word come from, James? Or how long is that word around? Well, let me tell you, Moira, I've done my homework this week. And whimsical comes from an early 16th century noun called whimwham, W-H-I-M dash W-H-A-M. And it's a reference to an ornamental, ornamental object or trinket. It then became known as an eccentric impulse or interest, hence the word whim. Interesting. I was actually just, as you were speaking, putting it into my dictionary to see what my dictionary comes up with. So let's have a look now. Whimsical. Given to whimsy or fanciful notions. Fanciful notions. Well, that's me. Capricious, definitely. I, I, this word whimsy, I had never actually come across. Whimsical, yeah, I know. But whimsy, meh. And uh, yeah, the origin, yes. Yeah, yes. Whimsy. As of, oh God, I'd, I'm going to have to look up whimsy now to be happy because whimsy is a, is a different word. Whimsy, noun, plural, whimsies, capricious humor or disposition, extravagant, fanciful or excessive, playful expression, an odd or fanciful notion, anything odd or fanciful, a product of playful or, fan, or capricious fancy. Ah, okay. Well, that's, that just about says it. Almost your own definition, Wera. Funnily enough, I'm mean, looking at first recorded 1595 to 1605. Um, it sounds sort of Shakespearean, doesn't it? Sounds as if it would. It be. does. And but yeah, it's about. It's a little bit early, isn't it, for Shakespeare? It is. Where you'd have heard the word whimsy a lot would have been actually in the Noel Coward plays. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. I I'm very fond of a touch of whimsy. Yeah. I confess that I. I have not seen many. Noel Coward plays. I'm trying to recall a single one that I have actually seen. I'm sure I have, but uh, there we are. Let's move on. It's my turn, I think, isn't it, James? It is indeed. And the subject matter that I put up today was worldwide. Worldwide. What does that mean? Well, what do I want to talk about? Well, I'll tell you. It's very simple. I have been on holiday. <laughs> Oh, of course, I'm so glad to be back in this cold, miserable, rainy temperature, having spent 10 days in uh, beautiful sunshine and 28 degrees in the island of Malta, the island of my ancestors, in fact. But that's another story. Of course, because I was away from home, I checked up on the local Toastmasters group and found that they were meeting whilst I was in Malta. And so I attended their meeting. And the first thing that struck me was this. Maltese is the local language. English used to be, in the days of my mother, in the 20s, 30s and 40s, uh, English was the main language and it was only the, let's say, the peasants or the villagers who would speak 
Maltese. And the majority of people spoke English amongst themselves and only spoke Maltese to the maids or tradesmen. But that has changed. Malta has become a Maltese country again. And everybody, everybody, educated or otherwise, speaks Maltese. Therefore, English is becoming the second language rather than the first language. So I was very interested going to Toastmasters in Malta to see, well, did they actually use Maltese or were they all using English? And the answer was that they were all using English with variety of accents. I say a variety because like many or even most Toastmaster clubs, there was a mixture of nationalities. And Malta being very eclectic society these days with many nationalities coming in, there was a preponderance, let's say, of uh, not necessarily difficulty generally in speaking English, but there were issues. Now, I actually evaluated a member who originates from Brazil. And he's a very good speaker in Brazilian, but in English he spoke with a very heavy accent and he spoke too fast. And as a result, whilst his speech was actually, get, if you could understand it, was very, very interesting and very technical, he was very difficult to understand. And it occurred to me that one of the reasons that Foreigners, non, let's rephrase that, non-English speakers uh, or non-English uh, speakers as their first language come to Toastmasters is to improve their English as well as to improve their uh, pre presentation skills. And that got me to thinking of the other clubs that I have attended around the world. And I've been to clubs in Singapore, in Hong Kong, in France don't think I've been to Germany yet. Uh, and, of course, America. And you know what they say about America. American, uh, America and England, or uh, let's say England and Ireland, are two countries divided by a common language. And that got me around to thinking as well. Even though we all speak English, we all speak a different version of English. It's mostly the same, but there are some significant differences. And if you're speaking to an international audience, as we tend to do these days, we need to be aware of the fact that phrases like, uh, let me think of something Irish, uh, I, I, put, um, I put my, my food in the press. Huh? Press? What's the press? Well, to an English person, a press is something that you use to extract juice from your fruit or something like that. But in Ireland, a press is a cupboard. Now, that's a very silly and simple example. But if you don't know the word, let's say the international English word for something, and you use a colloquial word in your speech, then you may be in danger of losing the attention of your audience. So where am I going with this? Well, there's two things that I wanted really to highlight, and that was all. One was this difference in uh, language the English language from different countries, and also uh, from different nationalities learning and speaking English depending upon where they learnt their English. For example, uh, I know a number of Germans who learnt their English from the Americans because of the preponderance of American bases uh, in the post-war period. And therefore their English is entirely 
American English, where they are actually European, then you would expect them to speak more English English than American English. But that's the way life is. But the other thing is how Toastmasters can help non-English speaking, and I, I, I'm hesitating on how to put that, uh, people for whom English is not their first language, that's the best way of putting it, helping these people to be able to communicate well in English. And I think that is possibly one of the best selling points for Toastmasters to that particular community. What do you think, James? Have you had much experience of going to Toastmasters outside of England or, sorry, or, or of Ireland or, let's say, of uh, native English speaking? Well, it's funny you ask me that, Moira, because I felt that one of the great advantages of Zoom is that you could literally go anywhere. And what I found was that although the general structure of the meetings was the same, each club, be it in America, be it in France, be it in Australia, New Zealand, um, Eastern Europe, each had its own ambiance and its own style. And it was fascinating to see this <clears throat> combination of styles, but all following a similar template. But you're quite right. You, As Irish people, we tend to speak very quickly. And there were occasions when one was asked to slow down just a tad so they could keep up. But it's a fascinating and a great and uh, a great positivity about Toastmasters is that it's encompassed the world in its 99 years of existence. And I look forward to traveling to further places. I always remember turning up. It's not so much the language that got me, it was the time difference. For the first couple, I was either an hour early or several hours too late. <laughs> And it was always at yes. three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I learned that very quickly. <laughs> I have, I've, ha I've had that in uh, in one of the Toastmaster clubs that I go to occasionally in Curacao, uh, where there is always confusion about what uh, what the, the time of the meeting is. <laughs> okay, it's minus eight hour GMT. Now, does that mean summertime, or does that? <laughs> well, it's not that. It's if you Google it. They, the time that they give is uh, actually wrong because they, they, they give you a time which is in Brazil or, uh, yeah, Brazil probably. Um, but anyway, they, it's not the correct time. So I've, I've got that wrong on a number of occasions. Ah, well, that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, hope, we hope we'll see Paul Amani back very soon. He's taking a, a little break from the show, but uh, and we don't have a, a date for him to return, but we look forward to his, at least I look forward to his return, because then I can go back to oh. uh, <laughs> being just the introducer. Very much. <laughs> Very much so. Best wishes, Paul. Yeah, best wishes, Paul. Hope you uh, are going to be back with us soon. So that's it. We'll say goodbye. Thank you to James and uh, goodbye from myself, Moira O'Brien. Bye for now. See you next week. week. Well, next week we'll have another interview. Bye for now.